Well, good morning. Um, like I said, you've probably you've heard it twice now. I'm I'm Brad Whitaker, and uh, I I feel like I should say I bring you greetings from Mount Vernon Nazarene University. Um, I'm an ordained elder in the Church of the Nazarene, but my assignment is EDU. Uh, my assignment is the the campus of Mount Vernon Nazarene University, and uh, I am a mathematics professor down there. Um, that's the way I see it. That's my ticket to get into the classroom to journey with students every day. Um, I have the incredible opportunity to journey with our students uh, for four sometimes more years, and uh, to just be come alongside them and help them learn. Sometimes I'm helping them learn mathematics. Something I, sometimes I'm helping them learn some, some probably more important things about life, and it's an incredible joy. Um, I, I met my wife uh, four days before I first came into this, this church. Um, so this... I was just talking with some friends this morning. Um, that was that was about thirty years ago, uh, and so it's God. It's God who has sustained, and uh, not only the marriage. Thanks be to God. Um, I'm better for it, and also God who has sustained this church. And that's wonderful to see that through the seasons of of this church. But um, it's also good to have just so many familiar faces and for those of you that I don't know I'm going to be here for a few weeks I would love to get to know you say hi and uh, it would be an incredible honor for you to let me just spend a few moments getting to know your name and and uh, maybe a little bit about you um, one of the things that a interim or a, a pulpit supply pastor gets to do uh, oftentimes they get to just kind of drop in and and so many times the, the pastor will say it's your choice preach what you want to preach and so that was that was exciting but also incredibly challenging because you think about it like when somebody says whatever you want to do I'm like oh wow I've got four Sundays and I, I really want to get this right. I really do. Because when God called me to be an elder in the church, I understood that, that that's more serious than adding two numbers and getting the wrong answer. And so um, that's why it's so important that when I pray, I say, God, get me out of the way. Make sure that the people, the folks, you guys hear from you. And so one of the things that you can imagine that I, I did was I spent a lot of time in prayer and thinking and and I love the analogy of, of, of a tough piece of meat that needs to sit <clears throat> in the juices for a while and marinate. Sometimes I feel like my brain is like that. I'm like, you just got to let it marinate. And so I came to, I came to uh, what's one of my favorite verses and let me just pause right there. When I say favorite verse, don't we all have that? Don't we all have that favorite verse? And, and when I say that, now you're probably thinking of it. Yeah, you're probably thinking of it. And um, 
And so I've thought for so long, I said, I want to I want to talk about one of my favorite verses because I think we get it wrong a lot of the time. Not not terribly wrong, but I think it's something worth talking about. And so one of the things that that I kind of want to say to lead into this is um, I feel like us in the in the in these this in these here parts of the United States, um, I feel like we kind of miss out because we don't have our own equivalent of the word y'all, right? You know, when you walk into the living room and you say to your kids, "I need you to help me with dinner," they look at each other and they go, "I think she's talking to you," and 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 that's when the wife says. Mm-mm. When I said, you need to help me with dinner, all y'all need to help me with dinner, right? right. So sometimes when, they, when we see the word you, we think me or, or, or them, yes, right? When we lived in, uh, in New York City, uh, we were talking about this, this, this character, and I mean that in the most loving way. I, I would love to go on a road trip with this guy. That, that's how you know you like somebody. Um, I would love to go on a road trip with this guy. His name was Kenny, and Kenny was a drummer in a country western band in New York City. See, already you're thinking, I think I, there's something to know there. He wouldn't say, y'all. He would say, how you's doing? Right? He would just put an S on the end of you because it's plural, right? How you's doing? And we're like, we are, that's, you don't say, I am fine. You say, we are fine. Right? Yeah. So today, I want to talk about y'all and us. Okay? And you actually heard uh, one of my favorite passages. And we read it together. We heard it this morning uh, right after the announcements. Jeremiah 29, verses 10 through 13 This is what the Lord says. We're going to read this again. Just follow along on the screen, or if you're going to grab your Bible, you can do that. Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 10, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. There's a portion of that that many of you probably took your eyes off the screen and you're thinking, I know that, right? I know that part. For I know the plans I have you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's good stuff. You understand what he's saying, though? Let's back up to verse 10. And I've highlighted a little word there for you. Maybe. We'll see if it changes, but maybe not. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon. Excuse me? When? 
when 70 years, I'm 56, and if I'm reading this, I'm doing the math. That's going to be a while. When se- I'm up into three digits by then. When 70 years are completed? When, when 70 years, I, I got plans. I've got plans for retirement, but they're not in 70 years. They're like 10 years. 70 years? We're going to prosper in 70 years? We're not going to have we're not going to be harmed in 70 years. What do we what do we do with that? What what do you do with that when it says when 70 years are completed for Babylon I will come to you I'm going to be 126 years old. And I'll fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Okay. I have a little trouble with that. Maybe he was talking to just the young folks. Maybe he was talking to just the younger generation that would be around in 70 years. I'm not comfortable with that. Because I know something about this Christian life. I, I know something about following the in the footsteps of Christ I know that there are moments when it does not look like I am prospering it does not look like I have much of a future there are moments that life is difficult incredibly difficult Stephen Stephen I know they're getting ready to stone you, but God has plans for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, Stephen. Wait, could you not throw the stone yet? I still have a promise to give Stephen. Hold on. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future, Stephen. Stephen was stoned. For his faith. Paul. What happened on the road to Emmaus is pretty incredible. And I love the fact that you're writing all these letters. To the people in the churches around the region. But you're in prison. How are you dealing with this Paul? Are you prospering? Hey, Jesus, I'm not sure this is the way it was supposed to go. Jeremiah told us that, Jeremiah told us that you're going to prosper and that you would not be harmed. 
I'm not sure that the cross is in the story if you go with that. If Jeremiah says you're going to prosper and you will not be harmed, why are you carrying a cross? If I could help you understand the journey that I've been on in trying to figure this out, I know that Jeremiah is speaking the truth. I know that Jeremiah has it right. But what is he saying to the Stevens and the, the Pauls? What is he saying when Jesus is flogged and nailed to a cross? There's plans for you to prosper and not to harm you. As Jesus is hanging on the cross, was Jeremiah wrong? No. No, not at all. If Jeremiah was from Texas, or if Jeremiah was from Tennessee, Jeremiah would have said, for I know the plans I have for y'all. I know the plans I have for my church. I know the plans I have for my bride. I know the plans I have. This is what Jeremiah says in chapter 29. The Lord declares, for I know the plans I have for my people, for my church, for the bride of Christ. Plans to prosper and to not harm that my church has a hope. My church has a future. And yes, if we are going to walk in the steps of Christ, yes, there will be days where the church will stand, the church will thrive, but it might mean that I, like Stephen, find myself on my knees being stoned. It might mean, like Paul, because of my faith, I have been imprisoned. It might mean, like Jesus, I will suffer because I am not willing to back down from the gospel truth. It is so true, but we need to understand, and it helps me understand, how do we deal with when, when bad things happen to good people? But I know the plans for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to give you a hope and to not harm you. Why are bad things happening to good people? Look at the bride of Christ. In the same way that this church, you, if we could graph the, just kind of the, the health and the growth and the, the journey of this, of this church over the last 30 years that I've been connected with it, I know that it's not just like roses. There have been days where you're like, God, 
if we're going to make it through this next season, you're going to need to show up. Go ahead. Go to Jeremiah 29. When you think about this church, for, I, for he has plans for his bride. Plans to prosper it, give it a future, to not to be harmed, have a hope. Yes, it will endure for all time. I know it to be true. But Brad, doesn't it say that all things work together for good? Isn't that the promise that all things work together for good? Maybe I just need to pray harder because right now I'm not really excited about the fact that my dad died at early age. How is, I, just need to, I just need to be patient and find out why that's good. Can, can we be, be really careful there? Please don't ever say that all things work together for good. I, 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 don't, I don't want to say that again. I want to go back to Romans 8.28. God works. That's what's really important about that verse. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Who are those who love him? It's his church. It's his bride. It's his people. That's where the work of God is most evident. And we know that. We know that in all things, God works. The verse isn't about the things. The verse isn't about the things. The verse is about God. We, don't, we are not promised that all things work together for good, but we are promised that God works. God is at work. Even in the darkness, God is at work. Even in the suffering, God is at work. Even in the loss, God is at work. Even in the questions, in the unknown, in the doubt, God is at work. All things, God works. For the good of those who love him. When, you're, when your dad dies of, of cancer in 2011 and then your sister dies, when your dad dies of pneumonia and then your sister dies of cancer in 2012 and then you're diagnosed with cancer and a second time, and then your, 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 your wife's dad dies of cancer in 2019. Hey, Brad. 
all things work together for good. Thanks be to God, nobody said that to me. Thanks be to God, God works all things together for the good of those who love him, for the good of the church. You see, it's, it's a whole lot less about me. It's everything about Christ, but it's actually a whole, not only is it a, little, a whole lot less about me, but it's a, it's a whole lot more about us. It's about y'all. It's about his church. I want to I point you to something that I think is really familiar to you. I think it's really familiar and you're going to see these words and you're like, I know that. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's where it all begins. Okay? Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses or our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The evil one. Can I... Can I highlight some of the words there for you? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me. No. It's not about me. It's about us. Give us. Give us today. My daily bread. No. Check yourself. Give us today our daily bread. This is Jesus teaching his disciples to pray. By the way, he didn't say memorize this prayer. He said pray like this. Like how? Like give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those as we forgive our debtors do you, whenever we say the prayer the lord's prayer together do you kind of pause or just kind of slow down a little bit until you find out are they going to say debtors or sins or trespasses right this is the NIV, and you can tell that I, I don't say it this way all the time. Jesus didn't say memorize it. He said pray like this, okay? So, give us and forgive us as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. Do you see it? Do you see the point? Our prayer life 
has to have a really healthy dose of our, us, and we. Not a focus on me, my, and I. There's a place for me, my, and I. I get it. I get it. There's a place for me, my, and I. Right? On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Peter, James, and John, come on and pray with me, please. That didn't go so well. But he's in there praying, and what does he say? If it be your will, Father, let this cup pass from me. It's okay to pray for yourself. You need it. I do too, right? I have to pray for me because I need the help. But that cannot be where our focus is. When the disciples come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he goes, when you pray, pray like this. We, our, us. That's how you pray. And keep it simple. Right? Keep it simple. But pray for my bride. For I know the plans I have for my bride. Plans for her to prosper. She's going to have a good future. It's a bride full of hope. And those are my people. I love my people. It's really important that we understand that we are a part of something so much bigger than we are. We are a part of a church. We are a part of of a global community of faith. And there is nothing, even the gates of hell, cannot stand against the church. Just not gonna happen. Because God's got plans for us. But I have to be honest and say, you know, but there's there's we, us, and our, but there's also there's also me. You know how important it is that you tend to your health that you tend to your salvation, that you tend to your relationship with Christ. It is so important that Jesus said, listen, you've got these ten commandments, but let me make this really simple. I'm going to give it to you in two things. All the law and the prophet hangs on these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay? And then love your neighbor. How am I going to do that? You can only love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. 
So if you're going to love your neighbor and follow the commandment of Christ, you have got to take care of you. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you're driving yourself into the ground, hmm, how's that going for you? You're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. How are we going to do that? Oh, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) I love the fact that we serve a God who not only has his heart and mind and his promise and his hope for the church, but he also has a personal relationship with each. He wants a personal relationship with each and every one of you. King David, I think he really understands this self-care business. When he writes those psalms, when he writes those psalms, he really gets into the, the need to remind ourselves of the goodness of God in our own lives. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and he he refreshes my soul. Why? Because he loves you and he, he wants you to take care of yourself. You have to be equipped to be a member of the church, to be a part of the body of Christ. You have to take care of you. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though, even though while I know that he has plans and a hope and I know that the church will not be harmed I also know that I will walk through the dark valleys I know it been there and I know that many of you have also been there Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'm with the king. I'm riding with the king here. I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. It's okay. To live is Christ, but to die is gain. It's going to be okay. 
even though I walk through loss, cancer, disappointment, plans that just blew up, confusion, disillusion, even though I walk through the hardest days that I have ever, that I, had, I have never been able to imagine for myself or your darkest days, or you can do it. You can. You can. It may not be your body that survives, but your soul will sustain it all. Because if you're riding with the king, he will not let your soul be taken from you. It goes on and says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I love the visual there. Can we just stop for a minute? Because I really do love the visual there. And I'm like, I'm just sitting there at the table. I'm like, y'all can hate my guts as much as you want. But I have got a meal to, to celebrate right here. And uh, that's okay. You, you, you can be my enemies. But I'm going to sit here and if you know the Christ that I know, have you heard of Judas? Come. Sit at the table with me. Why? Because I'm riding with the king. And we've prepared a table right here in the middle of our enemies. And we can do that. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm riding with the king. I know the plans I have for my church, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you not to harm you, give you a future. And each one of you, even though you find yourself going through the darkest valley, even the valley of death, you need not fear because the Lord is with you. And he will sustain your soul. I'm 56. I'm learning to let go of the fact that I'm going to lose this this vehicle of transportation right here. But God's got my soul. He's got my heart. I gave it to him and he hasn't let it go. Even though I'm going to walk through the darkest valley of the shadow of death, I'll feel no e fear no evil for you are with me. 
your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We're good. The Lord is with us. His church, his bride. The Lord is with y'all and us. The Lord is with y'all and us, each of us and all of us. Pray for us. Pray for you as we journey with Christ and as we journey together. Just as we need Christ, if we're going to be in us, if we're going to be a we, and if we're going to be an our, we need each other. We need each other. The church needs you, and, and we need the church. We really do need each other. Let's pray. Would you please pray with me? Father God, I thank you that your word is without fault. Your promises have no blemish. You are the true God. And we are your bride. We are your church. And we know and we rest on the promise that your church, your bride, will not fail. I thank you that we all get to be a part of the bride of Christ, that we all get to be a part of your church. But if King David teaches us anything, he teaches us that you also know our hearts and you know us each on a very individual level. You knew us while we were being knit together in our mother's wombs. And you know us today even better than we know ourselves. And you are with us. You know what it is to suffer. You know what it is to see death. You know what it is to be disappointed, to have to go through seasons of darkness. You know what it is to have a desert experience. And so thank you for your promise that you will never leave us you will never forsake us you will always be with us sustaining us and if necessary we know that you'll carry us as we go from this place God I pray that the truth of your message today will go with each one of us. That it will stay in our minds and marinate in our hearts. That it will continue to work on us so that we will understand the hope that you have for the church, but also the confidence that we have that even when life 
feels like it's about to take us, you are with us in that moment. As we worship, as we respond through singing, these altars are always open. If you would like to just come down and say, I just need to leave this on the altar, God. I just need to hand this over to you. I just need to know that I met with Jesus on this day at that place down there at the altar. If that's you, as we sing this song, would you please feel free to move from your seats and come up here and pray? We'll pray for you and with you. We're in this together. We need each other. So let's sing together, but respond as you feel you need to.